The Green River District Health Department adopted a needle exchange program earlier this year. And in part two of our fighting addiction series, the health department director will discuss the needle exchange program and why the community's guardians of public health decided to implement it. Stay with us. This is Inquire. For the Mystery Inquire, I'm Don Wilkins. In part one of our fighting addiction, a former heroin user gave his candid account of his battle to become clean, and a local treatment director gave his perspective on addiction and recovery. But for this week's episode, I wanted to speak with local health department director Clay Horton about the needle exchange program. It's far from a new concept, but it's new for Davis County and its surrounding region. You know, like you said, needle exchanges aren't, aren't necessarily a new concept. Uh, they they kind of date back in the United States and other parts of the world to, to the early 80s. Uh, but, you know, they've been c- kind of politically controversial for, for a long time. But as you might be aware, you know, starting in uh, the late 2010s, somewhere in there, uh, we really started seeing this, this uh epidemic of opioid abuse and then that transitioned into uh, heroin abuse and uh, we really got to an epidemic proportion in Kentucky around then and and in 2015 the state legislature uh, in large part in response to the HIV outbreak that they had in Austin Indiana which is not that far from Kentucky um, uh, made it legal for local health departments to host and, and operate syringe exchanges now they put uh, a lot of requirements on that for us to be able to do that. We had to get a local approval from boards of health. We had to get local approval from county fiscal courts and city city governments, Those all those legislative bodies. But until that time, uh, it wasn't legal in Kentucky to do so. So uh, starting in, in right after that law became, or that bill became law, uh, here at the Green River District Health Department, we, we started examining and seeing if, if that was something that our community needed and, uh, and then kind of taking on that process to make sure that the community was educated. We'd answered all of the questions. Uh, we had the, the consent and the approval from those, those uh, local governments to, to, to take this on, make sure that we as a health department had the ability to do it and, and, and be able to provide the service in the way that it needs to be provided. And so what you saw at the beginning of this year with us starting to operate the, the exchange in uh, Davis County and in Henderson County, was kind of the results of all of that work. So we, like you said, we are up and running now and, and uh, we're continu- continuing to learn. We're continuing to build our capacity to provide that service to the community. Um, but, but you know, we, we found that it was something that we needed and it was something that will prevent the spread of infectious disease here in Owensboro. And that's why, why we took it on and, and now we're operating. So, so during the time that you were taking um, to introduce this and to answer questions and do your own research. And as you were preparing for this, did you get any pushback? Uh, I mean, I don't know how you would define pushback. There, there were people that certainly had questions. Uh, and then on social media, you would see a lot of, uh, I guess, people voicing opposition. Uh, in terms of the conversations that I had with community leaders, community uh, members, people who work uh, with uh, in the recovery community, people helping people that are that are recovering from addiction. Uh, I didn't have much resistance. Uh, I think sometimes 
people needed to hear more. I think it's a natural reaction to hear about a program like this and, and kind of think, well, that's just enabling or that kind of goes against what your gut instinct is. But once you, once you kind of look at the success rate that it's had uh, and other places where it's been implemented, how the, you know, it's, it's, been, um, it's been proven not to cause new people to start using drugs. You know, no one starts injecting illegal drugs just because there's a, an, a place that you can exchange your needles. Um, and and it is, it's effective in stopping the spread of infectious diseases like HIV. Uh, it really wasn't that difficult of a sell. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, I guess your your initial reaction is is that it, it that it's you know it's enabling or it's going against what you think would be the the logical way to approach. But once you study the issue and, and look at uh, how it's effective and how it's worked in other places, uh, I think people that did that research uh, pretty quickly realized that that you know it it there was a lot of benefit that could come from this and not that many unintended consequences. Yeah. And I guess you're, you're, whenever you talk about enabling, I guess people, if, if you got any kind of critics involved, they would argue that it's promoting drug use. And so what would you say to that argument? And I know you sort of kind of got into it as far as preventing uh, diseases, but somebody who obviously who is doing drugs intravenously and and wants to continue the habit they come to you guys essentially put for the paraphernalia to do it and and so how do you how do you make that argument we're not promoting drug use actually we're there for the safety of our community well i think you know in public health one of the things that we always think about is how do people how do we get people to make positive changes in their health and, and make positive changes in, the, in their behavior? Um, so, you know, to think about it, no one is going to start using drugs just because there's, there's access to needles. And, and what we know is that people that are using illegal drugs, injecting them, that sometimes access to needles is, is a, a challenge for them. And so that encourages them to share needles or to reuse needles, which can have a detrimental impact not only on their health, but the health of their family and, and their friends. Um, so, you know, if we can start talking about making small incremental steps to improving your health, and maybe the first step is just using a clean needle every time. Um, you know, you, you've, if, if you've gotten a person to a point where they realize that, uh, this, you know, that using drugs is probably not good for them, uh, but if they can make one step, you know, they, they've already acknowledged that they want to take a little bit positive step in terms of protecting their health and, and maybe be safer uh, th than, than what they had previously done, um, then, you know, it may be easier to take that next step in terms of looking for recovery or, 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 or quitting altogether. So, um, you know, it's really about kind of supporting people where they are currently and then enabling them and getting them connected to resources where they can get better and they can improve and, 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 and lead a productive life. Yeah, in our, uh, in our part one of our series, the young man, Dakota, uh, he talked about his heroin addiction. And when I asked him about the, you know, if he'd ever heard about needle exchange programs, and he looked at me, like, you know, clueless. Had no idea. He's not from here. He's he was from Washington, Indiana. And then I asked him another startling question. Uh, 
you know, did you ever share your needle? And of course, he responded, didn't think twice about it. Right. And so, and, you're, and, and here I am thinking, you know, a rational person, you know, I wouldn't want, never would I want to share a needle with anyone, you know, even even if I knew, even if I had their health records in front of me, knew that they didn't have any disease to worry about, just the thought of that, that somebody wouldn't think twice about that. And so you have these drug users out there passing around these needles. It was, it's just mind-blowing to me. And that's that's really kind of the concept here is that, you know, we want to make, sh- make sure that people do think about it and they, they realize that they're putting themselves at danger, they're putting other people at danger. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's really just about providing uh, a pragmatic solution to stopping the spread of infectious disease in, in the community, first of all. Uh, but then we've, we've learned through the operation of these programs that people do eventually uh, that, that, that are connected to this are, are more likely to, to get help. And they're, you know, that was one of the things as I was researching the program uh, last year, making, trying to make the decision as to whether we were going to, to move forward or not. Uh, but there was a study that was done in, in 2000 that showed that clients of syringe exchange programs were five times more likely to enter recovery than people that had not utilized a program like that. And so, um, you know, it, it, that, that, while that wasn't the primary reason as a health department that we, we initially looked at it, uh, it just made it a lot more, you know, it, it made a lot more sense for us to, uh, to, to take this on when you have co-benefits that are as beneficial as that. Now, how, now explain how the program works. Because, you know, you'll see, you know, we, in the police reports all the time that somebody was charged with drug paraphernalia. And, and, of course, needles and syringes are considered that. So is there something that if, if, if they're caught with this or somebody's part of your program, are they protected from, from being charged with that? Or how does that work? Well, the decision whether to charge someone or not with drug paraphernalia is obviously one that's made by the law enforcement agency. Now, the... Uh, the law that was passed in 2015 that allowed local health departments to, to implement these programs said that uh, syringes that are being exchanged at a health department syringe exchange program are, are not to be considered drug paraphernalia while on the premises of the program. So, um, you know, in terms of, but there was also changes in that broader law uh, that allowed uh, people to get amnesty from law enforcement uh, officials by telling them like they're carrying a syringe so that the law enforcement officer doesn't unknowingly get stuck. Uh, but again, that decision comes up to, uh, to the law enforcement officials, but they, they can make a decision not to charge, um, you know, based on someone declaring that they're, they're, they have syringes on them. Uh, and also that the fact that, you know, that they were, uh, uh, a participant in, in a syringe exchange program. So how does it work? Um, Somebody want if somebody's out there, um, you know who who's using the who's using needles. Uh, how do they how do they know to come to you? How often can they come to you? How does how does it all work? Well, so we we have been doing some outreach with different folks in the community to try to let people know about this the exchange. Uh, right now, we're operating two afternoons a week, uh, and, and we're trying to advertise or, or get the word out. Uh, that uh, Wednesdays from noon to till four, 4 o'clock and on Fridays noon to 4 o'clock in Davis County. 
uh, is kind of our designated times. Now, I'll tell you, if someone comes to us at the health department when we're open and we have staff that are trained and available, if it's outside of that time window, then we're going ahead and serving them. Uh, but we've, we've kind of designated those two windows of opportunity uh, just so that people know when to find us at 1600 Breckenridge. Uh, and uh, it's a confidential program. So if a, an individual would come in and say that they were there to, uh, for the exchange, um, uh, you know, that we're not requiring them to give a name. They will meet one-on-one -on -one with, with one of our staff members. Uh, there's, a, there's a small, I guess, interview process in terms of bringing someone into the program where we're getting a little bit of information about what they need, uh, and we're, that gives us an opportunity to provide some education. And then we, we provide access to, to the, the uh, syringes. Now, on the initial visit, we, we, this is based on a needs-based process, and so uh, we'll, we'll try to ascertain how often they're using what types of drugs are using? What is it? What amount of supplies are they going to need uh, to only use one syringe each time, uh, and then safely, you know, dispose of those syringes before they can come back for the next visit? And so we usually base that on a week, uh, and then when they come back for a subsequent visit, they're, they're, we provide a, a sharps container at that first visit. And when they come back, they'll bring back their used syringes in this sharps container. Uh, and then we exchange on a one-to-one on -one basis. So the idea is, is they're not discarding these syringes improperly. They're not throwing them down in the street. They're not leaving them anywhere where someone can get stuck. They're putting them in a sharps container that's protected. They bring that back on their next visit, and then, and then we'll, we'll exchange those for them. Um, but again, it's, a, it's an, an anonymous service. It's, it's confidential. We have a, a method uh, where we sign, sign a unique identifier to a new client so that we know how often people are coming back. Uh, we can, you know, tell, get some data about types of drugs that, that you know, are, are drugs of choice in the community. Uh, we ask questions about whether they know their HIV status. We always provide an opportunity if they, if they want to take on to it to be tested for HIV or we provide a referral for hepatitis C testing. And then also there's, there's a question to ask, have, have you uh, thought about going into recovery? And, and if anyone indicates that they want to go into recovery, then we'll have an individual that works with them to try to get them connected with uh, a resource where they can get some help. Have you seen any kind of participation? And, and if so, how much? Um, so we, we've started here in Davis County at the first part of February, Henderson a couple of weeks after that. Uh, so as of a couple of days ago on, on April 10th, we had had 23 unique clients that had visited one of our two program or one of our two sites. Um, and that was for a total of 37 visits. So, you know, a couple of dozen people have, have utilized that program in the first two months that it's been operational. And did they give you um, any indication of what the drug of choice yeah, primarily we're seeing meth users, uh, people that are injecting methamphetamine. And, and so I think 65% of our clients uh, up to this point, uh, that has been their, their, the drug of choice or what they're primarily using. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of our discussions when we were talking about starting this up and, and the reason why uh, it kind of became an issue in Kentucky was because of the opioid epidemic that, that you saw primarily in eastern Kentucky, Louisville, northern Kentucky, in those areas. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of our discussions that we had uh, starting out about whether there was need or not, you know, we're, people were pointing to the fact that even though we had opioid abuse in the area, it wasn't at the same level, that same catastrophic level that we've seen in other parts of the state. Um, but, you know, there was some evidence there. And then, you know, based on what we're seeing now, it's, you know, the, the risk of infectious disease being spread. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're injecting heroin or if you're injecting methamphetamine.
you know, we are seeing people uh, uh, reporting that, that they are using heroin. It's, it's like 4% uh, of, of the, the clients that we've seen and other opioids. Um, but, uh, but primarily in, in our area, uh, it's methamphetamine, and that's consistent with what we've heard from law enforcement officials in terms of what they're seeing and, and, and when they make arrests and, and types of drug activity in the community. The young fellow that I interviewed, he'd, he'd already tested positive for hepatitis. And, you know, he's, I think he's, I, he was in his early 20s, and, and that's something that he's going to have to deal with the rest of his life. And, and, and so, and I guess this, this program, what you guys are, are, are doing, and, and, and hopefully we'll see some, some good results out of it. Now, when do, are you going to be releasing any, any sort of stats at the end of the year, you know, letting know about results, whether it be how many people who are involved or people you're maybe getting into recovery? Right. So, yes, we, we intend to, to periodically report out um, evaluation criteria from the program. That was something that we set up when, when we started it. Um, we, we've tentatively said that we would do that quarterly. Um, so we're not quite through that first, you know, quarter period. Uh, but we'll put out periodic reports on utilization of the syringe exchange program. Uh, and all of that information will be made available to the public. We'll probably put it on our website. Um, and, you know, uh, I think I said earlier in the interview, uh, we're still learning. Uh, we're still kind of trying to expand our capacity and, and finding out in what better ways we can kind of meet people to where, where their needs are. Um, so, you know, as that program evolves, we'll, we'll certainly be keeping uh, both community partners and the public informed uh, uh, about, you know, what we're doing and, and uh, what's available out there for the community that, that needs it. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Health Director Clay Horton for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website and iTunes, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire.